This podcast is a discussion of Christian devotionals and self-help books, and is intended for entertainment purposes only. The ideas discussed on this podcast are adult-themed and come with a blanket trigger warning. The intent of this podcast is not to attack any person who uses or gifts the materials under discussion, nor is it intended as a critique of the author. Rather, it is the ideas and messages we feel are being expressed in the materials that are being reviewed and examined with expletives. All right, welcome everybody to Goddamn Devotionals, the podcast where we break down harmful ideas and messages found in Christian devotionals and self-help books. Weeding out the bull from the shit, just for you. I'm JR. And this is JP. And in this episode, we're going to start a new book. We're, we like starting new books. We like starting new books. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a review of one of John Eldridge's books, Waking the Dead. Now, this book came to our attention because... Um, someone very close to me was going through an extremely hard time. The uh, biggest help anybody seemed to be able to offer him during his time of grief was this book. You know, <laughs> Thoughts and Prayers and John Eldritch. Especially when this book has very little to do with grief. Yeah, exactly. And dealing with grief. <laughs> yeah. All right, so part one of this book is called Seeing Our Way Clearly, and we're going to start with chapter one called Arm Yourselves. Oh, Lord. Let's go right to the militant language. Oh, this is a... Militant language is a big thing in John Eldridge's books. Ah, uh, um, that... Oh, gosh. Because Not he's... Surprising. He's got several core tenets. When did this book uh, come out, by the way? So this book came out in 2003. Okay, right as I was ending high school and then while I was in Christian college. Yeah. That's that's when this book came out. Okay. Yeah, I graduated high school in 2003. <laughs> John Aldridge starts the chapter out by telling us that we are unclear about the most crucial thing, our lives. People are just unclear about their lives. That's his hook. His heart take. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? You don't know about yourself. <laughs> yep. We've got all kinds of questions about our lives, and when we don't get clear answers, we question God, we question his intentions, and we question the most important things in life. Like, we were born into a world at war. I'll break in for like two seconds, just because, uh, so 2003, 2001, so much of the materials that I came across, especially while I was coming out of high school and going into small conservative Christian college, was so just dripping with militaristic motifs. Um, I took a philosophy class and one of the great speeches of the philosophy class was just the the opening s- speech from Gladiator. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this book is going to insist that all of our stories are first and foremost war stories. Mm. The Alex Jones approach. <laughs> <laughs> so, John of course uh, has to give us a personal anecdote. Mm. Um, he tells this story about having an, an anxiety attack while he's in a plane. He makes this sound very harrowing, but it just seems that the weather around the mountains that they're attempting to fly through at the time, that's the weather that might prevent their passage, and, and the biggest thing that's happening is that they might have to turn the plane around. Oh no, that must have been a demon. It was it was affecting the weather. I mean, it was stopping him from getting where he was supposed to be, right? And I don't want to. I don't want to say, "Hey, you're not allowed to have an anxiety attack if you're not in danger." Because oh, I no. completely yeah, no. understand. I'm afraid of heights. I have an anxiety attack every time I climb a ladder. 
even though I know I'm not going to really hurt myself that bad if I fall, I still... Like, so I'm not delegitimizing him oh, having no, no. an anxiety I, I, attack. If I was too, that's not what I'm going for. Mental health is absolutely... A, a, I, I understand anxiety, believe me. But I, I'm just used to like so much of this stuff immediately devolving to Satan was trying to block me from getting where God wanted me to be. So I just I jumped the gun. Ah, Well, <laughs> the point of this story is to illustrate that we often don't have clear weather in our lives where we can see the future laid out before through the clouds. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's very poetic and pretty and simple story. Simple. But that is how John Eldridge do. Okay. I gotta, like... John Eldridge takes what's already hitting in you in the face, mm-hmm. grabs it, takes a couple steps back, and swings it even harder into your face. Okay, that's what I was about to say is I've got to, like, I, I'm, instead of taking this, I'm going to dig deep in to try and find the layers. I'm just going to sit back and let it wash over me. This is going to be really straightforward. <laughs> this is very straightforward. It's already, the analogy is already there. Mm-hmm. He just then has to hit you over the head with it. Laboring with a metaphor. Yeah. So, why is life so hard? John contends that life is so opposite of what the Bible promises us, because we all know that it promises us a good life if we follow God's commandments, right? So he contends that life is so opposite of that, that the only logical way to reconcile life and the Bible's promises is that there is, of course, someone or some force that is actively trying to prevent good things from happening to us. There is a Satan angle, sorry. But wait, is it, <laughs> is it Satan or is it ourselves? Again, it's, I'm digging for layers that probably quote, aren't it's there. almost <laughs> as if there is something set against us, unquote. <laughs> so, to illustrate this point, mm-hmm. John tells another long story about a couple who went on a honeymoon and had a series of unfortunate events happen to them that prevented them from being able to enjoy the honeymoon as they'd wanted to. You mean a honeymoon? <laughs> This story is meant to illustrate that life doesn't always cooperate with our desires. I'm sorry. Again, he hits you over the head with the story. (laughs) Fantasy and reality are two different things. If you watched a movie about the perfect honeymoon, you're not going to have that one. Sorry, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Right? There's some people's honeymoons who go great. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic. I don't think you'd have a great honeymoon story if something weird or unfortunate or unexpected Mm -hmm. didn't happen to you. Yeah. John, I guess, decides that telling somebody else's story about life not going the way they wanted it to isn't enough, so he's got to bring in his own personal story to double down on this message and really reinforce this. This is what every pastor's family must suffer through, being being the object of so many sermon examples. And he uh, absolutely (laughs) brings one of his kids into this. He tells a very long story about one of his sons who's had health problems since he was a young kid, and how those continuing health issues were weighing on John. You know, they depressed him, caused him to want to lose heart. You know, it's his son's constantly needing heart surgery and things mm-hmm. like that, right? The story is, does a very heavy-handed emotionally double, emotional doubling down on just how fucking hard life can be, even for good Christians. Does God abandon us to whatever life flings our way? Or is our hard life our fault? Who do we blame? How do we see what's really going on behind the scenes? Because it's so much easier to believe in a grand conspiracy of Mm -hmm. a great enemy who's against us than it is 
to believe what our senses are really telling us. Okay, so this is called theodicy. It just basically, you break down how can, how do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the problem of evil, yeah. which he's attempting to deal with by saying, well, it's not God's fault, mm. and it's not our fault, so there must be somebody else. Who's to blame? <laughs> yeah, we got to blame somebody for bad things going on. John kind of is now going to spend a while setting up his next point here, which is life is not one big happy party and somebody has to be blamed for it by saying, by quoting St. Irenaeus, who said, the glory of God is man fully alive. This is a big quote that Christian hedonists like John Piper use. I don't mean to cut you off. Could you read that quote for me again? My, my brain was starting to drift just slightly, and I thought you called John Piper a, a hedonist. He, John Piper, <laughs> yes. Well, John Piper labels himself a Christian hedonist. Okay, so I'm just picturing him while everyone else in his church is going to sandals. He's two resorts down, just getting it on naked. So... <laughs> In a very Christian way. In a very Christian way, yes. There's only so many approved positions. (laughs) Right. The quote is, The glory of God is man fully alive. Okay. So the idea behind this that John interprets it to mean is that God wants you to live your best life while you're alive here on earth. Mm -hmm. God is happiest when you are happiest. When you're happy the way God wants you to be happy, of course. I feel like he watched Bagger Vance before he wrote that section. I mean, he has <laughs> quoted Bagger Vance before. Has he really? Yes. <laughs> now, John assures us that we are indeed at war and have been from the beginning of man in Eden, if you believe in a literal Eden and all that. There are stakes involved here, people. <laughs> the enemy, capital E, was there in the garden to tempt man away from God He's the reason that God had to go to war against Egypt with plagues to free the Israelites. The enemy is the reason that Jesus' birth was an invasion into enemy-held stronghold territory of earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the enemy is the reason that you can't find happiness in this life or struggle to find happiness in this life, right? Hmm. Now, we Christians can help God out, by the way. Quote, we arm ourselves by getting a good solid grip on our situation by getting some clarity on the battle over our lives. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying so hard so to just listen. It'll be, it's, sometimes it's hard to believe in this talk of an enemy. But if we want to believe that God is good and wants us to be happy, then we just have to... I mean, this is really our only option. We mm-hmm. have to buy into the fact that there's an enemy out there fighting against us. Otherwise, we're going to start believing that God lets or even commands that bad things happen to people. And that's not really a good look for God. So, for now, it's easier and much more convenient to believe that in the great grand story, we're in a war and therefore must expect to suffer the horrors of war, eking out what little happiness we can while in the trenches. Oh, good lord. So, this is a huge theme of John Eldridge, Mm -hmm. this idea that we all live in a story. We all live in a fantasy world, or at least every single fantasy story has some sort of truth for us in this life. Mm -hmm. The hero's journey, as it were. Oh, it's it's always the hero's journey. In one of these later chapters we get into, it becomes very apparent 
exactly what types of stories John uses, mm-hmm. and by default, what types of stories he excludes from oh, okay. from his narratives. This chapter will end with John asking you to evaluate what you're feeling after having taken you on a wild roller coaster of emotional whiplash through this chapter. Mostly and to gassy. F- yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and to find some deep truth within that emotional turmoil. And remember, this is for posterity, so be, be honest. honest. <laughs> and then pray that God will open your eyes to see the truth of the fact that you're living in a war. Mm. So after a holy fucking lot of pages, this argument for this chapter boils down to your life is shitty, not because of you or God, but because Satan is waging an all-out war in an attempt to prevent you from being happy. Because God really is good. He, I mean, he is. I think you could title this Fuck. episode... <laughs> I think you could title this episode, The Struggle is Real. <laughs> and how much you want to bet the rest of this book is going to be just as smart and compelling and in-depth as this chapter was. Uh, I, he's leading us towards uh, the New Testament scripture of our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Oh yeah, that's um, a given. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's going to be a kind of a spiritual warfare book that the only way that you can survive this life and, and you know live your fullest for God is going to be your... You're putting on the full armor. You're going into a warrior's mindset. And what I love about these books when they do this, none of them ever account for things that, going back to our earlier reference to, like, mental health, things like PTSD. Spending some time with anybody who's spent any time in a combat zone, and they talk about how living like this for an extended period of time, a year, certain amount of months is maybe all it takes, living that highly keyed up looking into every corner for a threat to to you to the people around you to your faith to your beliefs to your safety this messes with people and so living like that constantly and teaching people this is how they need to live is so damn dangerous yeah but Life isn't exciting if it's not That's right. a battle. Well, because every warrior in every epic war movie from, you know, John Wayne to Arnold Schwarzenegger, none of them ever have to deal with the consequences of the fallout of the, the struggle, the fight. The, mm-hmm. They're just on to the next challenge as soon as this one's met. No one ever has to deal with... Done the, and dusted, baby. Yeah. And, and we move on. <laughs> but that is a running theme in a lot of John Entridge's books. This is why he does not use a whole lot of examples from... I mean, he will, you know, use a biography here and there to, to pull a quote out of, but most of his narratives are pulled from movies. This was the big thing that John Eldridge did, especially in the early 2000s. You talk about a lot of militaristic-type language being thrown into the Christian ethosphere, but you also had a lot of pastors and preachers and mm-hmm. who started using... It started being okay to use movie references in order to illustrate a point. I don't know how many of those I sat through, from middle school through high school into college, whether it was in church or in school or in youth group, where 
Gladiator, We Were Soldiers, Saving Private Ryan, uh, Black Hawk Down. Braveheart. So brave. Bro, oh gosh, I watched a side-by-side interspersed cuts of Braveheart's end torture scene with the crucifixion when I was in seventh grade. That was considered normal. The Mission. If anybody's never seen The Mission with uh, Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro, fantastic movie. Completely underappreciated movie. Beautiful music score. It deals with that duality of a peaceful Christian approach to persecution versus taking up arms and fighting back. It's a really, really interesting film. Definitely got shown that multiple times (laughs) for that exact reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does it for this chapter. Yep. <laughs> so, if you want to... We're wanna... off with a good start, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, join us again for our next review. Remember that the struggle is real. Yes, and we are in a war, so gird your loins or something. Oh, gosh. That story. When we get to that, I'm sure that's going to pop. I got stories. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a like leave us a review our contact info is in the show notes if you want to share anything about your own uh, john eldritch experiences mm-hmm. what militaristic movie were you shown as a example of being a good christian when you were in church or youth group yep yep <laughs> how did uh, how did this militaristic culture influence your life as a christian and how you viewed the world we will uh, see you guys next time bye bye